You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. Welcome and thank you for joining me. I created this podcast along with everything I do at yourparentingmentor.com to support and inspire you to be the best parent you can be. I know for a fact and from experience that parenting was never meant to be done alone. From conception to preschool, my mission is to give you the tools, strategies, and knowledge to embrace and elevate your parenting experience. I'm dedicated to supporting, inspiring, and guiding you to nurture your child's immense potential with as much joy and ease as humanly possible. Make sure to take time to check out all of the resources I have gathered for you in the show notes, as well as on my website, yourparentingmentor.com. And be sure to get on my email list so you do not miss a single episode and other products and events I curate specifically for you. And please do not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, concerns, or feedback. A warm welcome to you and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is your host, Jeanne-Marie Pennell, and today I have Dr. Tracy Baxley, who is the author of Social Justice Parenting, How to Raise Compassionate, Anti-Racist, Justice-Minded Kids in an Unjust World, which is beautiful. So thank you so much, uh, Tracy, for making the time to be here with us today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So as as you might know, I always like to start with this question, and that is, what is your definition of the art of parenting? I think the art of parenting is this kind of choreographic dance between intentionally reflecting on our practices as parents based on our experiences while we're also creating these safe, affirming spaces for our children to lean into their curiosities and to have the freedom to be their authentic selves. So I think this this reflection for us um, in the way we show up as parenting while offering um, safe spaces for our children. Mm, yes, and and the, the reflection piece I think is is extremely important for for our children. So beautiful. Thank you for that. And um, before we get started in our conversation, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and kind of share with our listeners a little bit about your background and and how you came to do the work you're doing today. Yes. So uh, my name is Tracy Baxley, as you stated, and I am an educator by my training. Um, I taught from kindergarten through right now, I'm a professor at a university. Um, But I'm also, I guess my most rewarding and important job is I'm a mother of five children. And I think uh, this work really found me in many ways. You know, I, I consider my superpower being an empath. And I think just growing up, uh, always trying to find spaces of belonging for people, even, you know, when I was in school, through being a uh, elementary school teacher, I always gravitated toward those children who somehow didn't fit in. Um, And I think once I became a mother, I really thought it was important not only to raise my children to feel comfortable in their own skin, but also raising them to be people who stand up for other people and who were people who provided safe spaces for 
other people. And I think a combination of all those things really kind of led me to teaching those things at the university and writing the book from my perspective as a mom. Mm-hmm. And so at the university, you are, t- are teaching about this diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, correct? Yes, I'm teaching college, so uh, preparing classroom teachers. And the courses that I teach are multicultural education courses, um, literacy courses, and a lot of the things that I do there, it's about how do we create classrooms where all children feel affirmed, all children feel welcomed, um, and creating safe spaces for children. And um, in the curriculum that we, you know, teach and um, and our instructions and our the technology that we're using, making sure that children are represented and they feel safe and they have compassion for their classmates. Right, right. And it seems like such a big task when you when you describe it that way today, at least. Uh, you know, 21st century living in the United States. It feels very heavy. And I'm from Florida. And so, you know, there's a lot of things going on in Florida right now in terms of what's being taught in the classroom and what's not allowed to be taught in the classroom. Um, And it's not just the K-12. Right now, there's bills currently going up in our house uh, in Florida, in the state house that uh, are trying to put those same stipulations on higher ed. Um, they're trying to get rid of all ethnic studies, all um, feminist studies, um, anything that has to do with race, gender, ethnicity. Um, so it's 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 all around. It's something that I feel like I'm fighting, um, <laughs> you know, because I think it's it's so it's important that our kids are learning about each other and learning truths and and how we deal with each other and how we accept and embrace and support one another. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, I mean, when you're when you're describing that, I'm, I'm like, I'm, you know, my mouth is open. Like, I, I can't believe that, you know, this is 2023. And we're actually having this conversation about bills trying to be passed to to deny people learning about each other, basically. Yes, yes, it is very frightening. Yeah. So knowing that, how do individual families make sure that we are raising, you know, compassionate, anti-racist children? I, I think family involvement and family intentionality is more important now than ever before, um, because I think our children can sense what's going on in the world. Um, we cannot shield our children from the realities of the world. I mean, some of us don't have the privilege of doing that anyways, but I think more than ever, we have to be teaching our children at home how to have open dialogue with each other, how to show compassion and kindness for people who are different from you, teaching our children about other people, because it's beginning to be more difficult for us to have some of these conversations when they're away from us in school. So I think more than ever, it's important that families are really being intentional with the way that they're showing up for their children. And I also think that it's important as families, as parents, that we speak up to the administration, to our state government of what's important to us. Um, you know, there's a lot going on with banning books in life in public schools and public libraries. Um, if this is something that you don't think is 
the way that you want your children to be raised, um, then I think we have to start speaking up and, and making our voices heard around the things that are important to us. Right, right. To, to, to be a real advocate for, so that our children have, you know, a full-fledged education. It, it seems like they're being robbed of, of so much value. Exactly. For yeah. sure. And I think the more we're advocating and our children see us doing that, you know, it teaches them to do the same for themselves. Yeah, and it it's when you were when you were talking earlier, I, I actually remember a college professor that that I adored who had um, a course that was called Third World Children's Literature. And I gained so much perspective from that. And, you know, I would go to the public library and sit on the floor and go through all of these variety of children's book and, and look at them from that perspective of, you know, what was it telling our children, you know, whether it was racist, whether it was sexist, whether it was ageism. I mean, and, and it was incredible. It's like, it's embedded everywhere. And I can't, I can't imagine not having had access to that class. Like to me, it was such a, you know, eye opener and just a beautiful experience. And I can't imagine being denied that. So yes, and, and one of the things that, matter of fact, right now I'm teaching an undergraduate class, a children's literature class, and all the books that I am requiring them to read are all on somebody's banned list. Wow! Because I think as educators, we have to know the books that people are trying to ban and know how we really feel about those, and not just based on what other people say. But um, I think they need the experience to see and to read and uh, manipulate and play with and have conversations around the books that are now on banned lists and to really have an opinion about what that feels like. Right. Okay. So I don't want to, I don't want to spend too much time because I feel like we, we could, you know, spend time on this. And to me, it's more the, the, the politics that are going on in this country. Um, but I would rather that we, again, lean more into, you know, the, the listeners are, are mostly uh, parents or, or educators of young children and really kind of support them and encourage them to have this, um, I guess, a, a way to be able to not fight what is going on, but like you say, you know, advocate for it, but more advocate for it on an individual level and in our homes, I think is most important. So I know you, you talked a little bit about that, but like how early do we really start these conversations with our children? Like, do, do we wait until they bring home something that they've seen or is this something that you've weaved in in your in your parenting from from the get-go yeah i think it's really important to start early because if you're waiting for them to bring it to you they've already had these preconceived notions or they already have had exposure to it coming from other uh perspectives um and i think it's important that as a parent you know you want to set your intentions for the way that you want your kids to show up in the world. So I think it's really important to like have family values around the things that matter. So when they're asking the questions, you can be answering the questions through the lens of your family values, whatever those are. And then I also, you know, you, you mentioned the book uh, when we first started and one of the 
the building blocks of the book is around these things that I call the rocks, right? And so these rocks, which I say, you know, we, we look at it from three different lenses, the lens of ourselves, the lens of our family and our children, and the lens of our community. But they stand for reflection, open dialogue, compassion, kindness, and social engagement. And so I think those five ways are ways that we can kind of teach our children to show up for themselves and to show up in the world. And I think it counters some of the, you know, the negative messaging that, that may be waiting for them outside of our homes through social media, through, you know, uh, other people's views. But I think grounding them in your family values and using the rocks as a tool to really um, decide how I'm going to show up for my children, teaching them to show up for other people is a great starting spot. Right. And, and, and modeling that, I mean, it always comes back to us modeling that as well, right? They, that's absolutely right. Yes. That's where they absorb most of, uh, most of that. Ah, uh, wonderful. And, and so when you, would you mind like going a little bit deeper into those, um, five building blocks that you just shared about, uh, rocks? Yes. yes. Yeah, that would be very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So the R is reflection. So that is th- th- when I'm working with families a lot. Uh, this is this part that the, the parents often want to skip because it's really the hardest part, right? So it, it requires us to look back at our own childhood experiences, our own beliefs, uh, maybe some traumas in our lives, right? That we have to look at and decide how those things are impacting the way that we're showing up as, as a parent. And so we want to do some work around that reflection piece. And we also want to teach our children to reflect on their own behaviors. You know, how what you said may have uh, hurt somebody's feelings. What do we do about that? What is our responsibility in thinking about that? So the reflection is this idea of looking, taking time to be intentional about looking at some of our practices, some of the things that we say and how we can Um, show up differently, how we teach our children to show up in different ways. The O is open dialogue. And this is the part that we are having these hard conversations with our children. Um, There's always an age appropriate way to tackle some of these more difficult conversations. um, As long as we're we're sensitive to to the way that we're saying it and that we are contextualizing it, right? Trying to make it a part, an example of something that's already gone on in their lives so that it makes sense for them. But being vulnerable and open and really engaging in, in hard conversations, even when we don't know the answers and even when we are afraid. Our children can learn from that too, when we're afraid, right? Um, the, the C and the K are, are compassion and kindness. So it's the way, like you were saying, the way we show up for ourselves. Like sometimes it's very difficult for me with self-compassion because I get in my head about things I should have done differently or, you know, being a better parent and all those things. But our children need to see how we are working through some of those things so that we are teaching them that they don't have to show up perfect. They can give themselves compassion and show kindness for themselves. And again, it's through those three lenses of self, family, and community. So how are we teaching our kids to make kindness a habit in our in our homes, um, being compassionate, open, and listening to other people's perspectives? That's part of the kindness, the compassion, and the kindness. And then the last one, the S, is social engagement. So how are we showing our children, if we say diversity matters to us, how are we showing our children in our inner circle? Does our inner circle only look like us? Um, or are we teaching our children 
that diversity matters through the people we interact with, what, where we take our children, what we read to our children, and then how are we teaching our children to stand up for others uh, or stand with others that may be different from us or may be marginalized in a certain situation. So being um, you know, change agents and being advocate and allies for others. Beautiful. And and for me, that social engagement piece is is so important. And, and I know, for me personally, I've done it through, you know, not only the the friends and, and the people that I have around me, but by traveling, by taking my children out in the world. I think it's so important to to experience um, just different, different ways, different ways of living different cultures and so forth. Um, Beautiful. Thank, thank you for for kind of diving a little bit deeper into that. Um, and when you say like age appropriate, I'm I'm I tend to work with parents um, in the first six years, so really little little humans. What are like some age appropriate ways to to kind of bring up these conversations with our younger? Uh, younger humans? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think we, we do it in a way that it's apparent in their worlds. For example, when we were going through COVID and a lot of young people lost people that they loved, right? Um, some parents use that um, for them to grapple with that. You know, they use things that in their own worlds. Like for example, my my son, my oldest son and daughter when they were little, we didn't have pets. And so they found like a pet spider outside that they brought in, called it Charlotte, right? And they tried to nurse this, this um, spider as their, as their pet. Well, of course, in a couple of days, they found that the spider had died. Um, and so they were very sad about that. And we talked about what that felt like, what could we do about it? And so something like that would be something that we can use when we talk about the deaths that were going on around us during COVID. Remember when Charlotte the spider died, what did that feel like? How do we have compassion for people who are going through that moment um, so that they can feel and they can connect something in their own worlds. Um, when uh, during that time period with all the social unrest, right, there was a lot of things about race relations going out. You know, like, We don't want to necessarily uh, give our little ones all the details about things that are going on and people being murdered or killed or um, in harm's way. But we do want to talk about um, things not being fair in the world. And sometimes that unfairness is because of the color of people's skin. So we want to tell them truths, but we want to say it in a way that it makes sense for them, um, that it's sensitive to who they are, and that it, it connects to something that they can relate to or, or know. But I think kids generally, they want to make things right. They want to make things fair. And so I think having conversations around that and giving them the agency to come up with some ideas with you, it actually makes them feel more safe than to not have those conversations or to hear about them out in the world when we're not talking about it in our own homes. Right. No, and thank you for that because it's true that I know you know, I'm, 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 my, my background is Montessori and there's, there's this, we know that after six, the child is very, very interested in justice, right? In what is fair and unfair and all of that. So it is so important to be talking about it. But I guess 
I'm coming from, you know, my perspective where I get, I just get, I, I don't know if overwhelm is the word, but just like this, this sense of, of despair, like how the hell are we still, excuse my language, but how, you know, how are we still here, you know, battling these, these issues and, and just there's so much, you know, social injustice that I don't know how I would, I guess, you know, talk to it in a, in, in, in wanting to be optimistic, I guess, right? It's like, I, I, I feel that there's so much harshness out there that how do you, how do you, you know, share that with, with, like you say, love and compassion and kindness to not, scare our children, I guess, or so I don't know if I'm making sense, but yeah, I think the optimism comes in the action part, right? So I have the term that I used often when I'm working with parents and uh, it's this idea of active hope, right? So we, we can hope things get better and we all want it to get better, but if we're, there's no action behind that. So hope is kind of, to me, you know, this wishful way of thinking, but active hope is how are we make, taking some action to make it better? And I want to, let me back up to say, sometimes we need to sit in that space of sadness and despair because I think it's warranted. And uh, when our kids are feeling that, or we're feeling that, I think we give ourselves the grace and the space to, to, to sit in that for a little while and, and explaining to our children that we feel that. And, and it also teaches them that sometimes it's okay to, to, to take on these human feelings, even though they feel overwhelming. But I think the moving to action really gives you the hope, really gives you more optimism. So this is heavy in the world right now, and it's all of our responsibilities in some way. What can we do as a family? What can I do um, as an individual to make it better, no matter how small it is. So I talk to my kids about these, the, you know, the rocks and the ripples, right? So you throw a rock in one part of a lake and you get to see these big ripples that eventually go out and out and out until you can't see them anymore. And that's what the little amount of uh, work that we do it seems small, but it has rippling effects. And we're all doing these small. Imagine if there are 50 of us who throw that, that stone or that rock in the, in the lake or in the river, how much more ripples it makes over time. And so I think allowing our children to live in the space of feeling sad, but also moving them into active hope to say, what little ripple can we make to make the world better? Hmm. Thank you for that. That that kind of calmed me <laughs> because it's so true. Like I had that visual of, of the ripples. It's like just even you and I having this conversation is, is going to be, have a ripple effect. So yes, thank you. Yes. Beautiful. Um, so a as we, we kind of wrap up, I, I always like to bring it back to personal. So, so more on a parenting level and uh, if you were, how old, how old are your children, if I may ask? Yes, I have five, and they range from 13 up to 22. 
Okay, so 22. Let's take the, the, the eldest. So if you were to go back uh, 23 years ago and give yourself some wise words, uh, knowing all that you know today, what would those be? I think I would say to myself is to slow down and to enjoy the small moments. Don't overschedule. I think I, for my older children, I misinterpreted the um, need to have my children in a lot of things because we were financially able to give them all these opportunities. But these opportunities don't necessarily equate to a better life for your children. So I would say enjoy the small things like throwing the rocks in the river <laughs> um, and don't overschedule, but to be really present for those small moments and to lean into their curiosity. Mm, thank you for that. So, so important. And you, you are not the first to say slow down. I think a lot of parents realize afterwards, like, what was I rushing for, right? Yes. So, yeah, beautiful. Um, any parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with today? I would say it's important as a parent that we do our own healing so that the healed version of us is who's raising our children. Um, and I would say, lean into your fears and the things that scare you because it's unpacking those things that really make us better parents um, for the children in our lives and um, allow our children's curiosity to really lead the conversations and the things that we do with our children and not our, not our own fears. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for making the time to be with us on The Art of Parenting today. Thank you for having me. Have you been searching for the owner's manual to your child, or did you just misplace it? Are you tired of trying to figure out this whole parenting puzzle, not knowing what to do when it comes to tantrums, hitting or biting, sibling rivalry, potty training, proper sleep habits, or just plain wanting a better relationship with your child. You know, I've been at this for a while now and wanted to share my own parenting manual. It's called The Parenting School, and I've created it with you in mind. Give your child and yourself the gift of mindful parenting in just a few short weeks and discover all the tools you'll ever need to parent without losing your patience, giving in, or worrying that you're messing up. If you're yearning to be more patient and present with your child while finding balance in your own life, then you already know that you need effective parenting tools and ongoing support. You know you weren't meant to be raising children alone, and you probably already know that having the right parenting tools during moments of conflict is the key to staying grounded, responding with empathy, and strengthening your parent-child relationship. You've probably sensed that you'd be a more confident parent if you had a like-minded community supporting and encouraging you. Your skills have gotten you this far, but most days you still feel like you're making it up as you go. So here's what I've got for you. Reliable parenting principles that will allow you to finally set boundaries you can confidently uphold, communicate effectively with your child, Declutter your home to enhance your child's independence, learning, and family harmony. And find more time to do the things you love. 
This is what the parenting school is all about. During this digital parenting course, you'll get weekly modules with lessons focused on key areas to get you where you want to be. These modules come packed full of video tutorials, journal prompts, actionable activities, expert interviews, and more, as well as weekly Lifeline group mentoring calls where I answer your questions personally, plus a virtual village with like-minded parents supporting each other during this deep dive parenting intensive. I'll also include some extra special bonuses to keep you inspired and motivated along the way. So if this sounds too good to be true and you're ready to up-level your parenting skills as well as your family's well-being, head on over to The Parenting School at voilamontessori.com slash TPS dash enroll. That's TPS for The Parenting School dash enroll. To learn more about the, all the benefits of this fabulous interactive digital course I've created just for you. And by the way, I've also added the link in the show notes for you. Looking forward to supporting you and your family. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Art of Parenting podcast. And if you did, please share it with your loved ones and make sure to leave a review so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.